0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And folks, there was unfortunately a death in the Sabres world earlier this week, and Taylor is going to start off today's episode by sharing some thoughts.
1: So uh, a lot of Sabres fans may have heard Paul Whelan died uh, this week. Paul was the uh, first PR director of the Sabres, but he was actually a lot uh, more. So I'll get into some of that. Uh, A lot of people have been sharing tributes and stuff recently this week. So a few I would recommend, or one in particular I would say actually, is Bud Bailey, former of the Buffalo News, also formerly a Sabres PR employee. He wrote something for Buffalo Sports Page, but I think there was some issue with people accessing that so it's also available on his own wordpress so if you just search bud bailey paul Wheeland, i'm sure you'll find it or if you try to find it on twitter or facebook it'll be there but that was really nice and more detailed uh than mine but so i just want to say before i begin that i don't really intend for this to be like a biography of paul i'm sure i'll miss a few things and there's a lot of other people that know way more about his life so i can only share what i know but i just wanted to share it because uh you know we have a lot of younger sabers fans like ourselves that. Uh, may not know uh, why uh, a uh, former PR director is so meaningful to the Sabre. So let me get into it. Paul was a a native Western New Yorker and grew up in West Seneca in a time before the suburban population boom, uh, born in the 1930s there. Uh, And like Brendan and I, he graduated from Bishop Time in high school. Uh, And like me, he went to College of St. Bonaventure and graduated in 1959. Uh, He also entered the field of journalism. But that's kind of where the similarities end, because Paul's life doesn't lend itself well to comparison. After graduating college, he briefly served as a substitute teacher at his alma mater of Timon before working as a reporter, both the Curry Express and then the Buffalo Evening News. Uh, Later, he would take a public relations job in the 60s, in the later 60s, with General Motors, uh, where he worked under John DeLorean, who went on to invent a famous car that you may have heard of. Uh, His work took him and his young family to New York City and then to Detroit. Uh, Around the time of his move to Michigan, he was approached by the Knox Brothers who were just putting together the initial staff for the Buffalo Sabres as they'd been awarded franchise and they wanted to bring him on as their first ever public relations guy. He initially said, no, they went with someone else and that immediately basically didn't work out. So they went back to him and he changed his mind and accepted the job. The second time he was asked, he was one of the very first employees of the Sabres. And he worked with what was then a very small front office. Often, as he would say, the brain trust included just the Knoxes, Punch Imlac, and himself making decisions on how to run the fledgling organization in what was then still a fledgling league. He was given total control of advertising, marketing, and the PR departments, and he immediately succeeded in selling the Sabres to the city of Buffalo, which at the time only had a handful of full time hockey rinks. It was far from the hockey mad city that we know today, but his efforts early on, complementing the Ani success, Secured Buffalo's future as that hockey mad city that we know today. Hell, he even hired Rick Jennerette. Over the years, his role grew and changed. He quickly got involved in the broadcast of the game. Under his stewardship, the Sabres became the first team in pro sports to provide a cable TV broadcast of home games, producing the telecasts themselves. This essentially became the model for the modern regional sports network that we know today. He'd served multiple duties in that time, including conducting mid-intermission interviews, doing some color commentary, and eventually he directed the broadcast from the TV truck. He also served as the practice goalie for the team all the way into his early 40s, which further brought him closer to the team and the players at the time. Those who have heard the name Paul Whelan in the past likely know him for his other role, world-class prankster. The most famous of these pranks was the drafting of the fictional Taro Tujimoto. Which I'm sure everyone knows about, but if you don't, there's a lot of information you could find out there about that. But he was at his best on April Fool's Day all throughout his career. When Dave Dryden died last year, I told the story of Paul sneaking into the Montreal locker room during the 1973 season while the Canadians were doing their morning skate to measure Hall of Famer uh, or sorry Dave Dryden's Hall of Fame brother Ken Dryden's pads, which were larger than the maximum size. The Sabres sat on this information until the playoffs where they eventually, pointed it out to the ref got a power play and what was eventually a uh, overtime win for the team paul stayed with the sabers for 26 seasons uh the odd close in 1996 he moved on as well for different reasons he worked for the hartford whalers for one season before they moved to north carolina and he spent multiple years in new england working for uh, public broadcast tv he later directed college basketball broadcast for ESPN, which he continued to do even after being brought back into his alma mater of St. Bonaventure to teach journalism classes. He was brought back by his old friend and former Buffalo news reporter, Lee Capola, who Paul claims came up with the name the French Connection. There will be hundreds, if not thousands of sen- sentiments similar to mine shared about Paul. I know many of them will come from the students he taught about bon- taught at Bonaventure. I first met Paul when I switched my major to journalism halfway through my freshman year. He invited me to his office to talk is my new advisor, and told me that he was a timing grad as well. Although I was initially stunned to hear that he'd graduate 56 years before me, it became clear right away that he had the sharp wit of a much younger man. Paul is incredibly knowledgeable about the world of broadcasting, but I know I'm not alone when I say it's his stories that stand out more than anything. He could go from a brutally honest critique of subpar sorry a brutally honest critique of subpar broadcasting work to a hilarious story about accidentally punching a cop during a brawl between Canisius and Bonaventure students at the odd many years prior. Since I wasn't as focused on broadcast, I didn't take a class with Paul until my senior year. The class involved, among other things, running the broadcast of the men's and women's basketball games, which was a cool and incredibly rewarding experience. The truck we broadcasted from was a former CBS truck that had been used for the Super Bowl and the Oscars in the past. Paul used his connections to get it for the school. And even as a man approaching the age of 80 at that time, he still directed the broadcast perfectly and was relaxed and funny while doing it. One example I always remember during my senior year, when we were hosting Canisius. During warm-ups, while we were checking to make sure that everyone's headset worked and that everyone was on the same page, Paul said out of nowhere, You know, I've become pretty neutral as a member of the media over the years, but Canisius is the only t- team I hope we beat by 40 and they all get diarrhea on the bus ride home. During each broadcast, he'd show the same old clip of Lee Coppola reading the newspaper at a previous Bonaventure game. He'd ask the announcers to comment on it, pretending it was happening in real time, when in reality, Coppola was not even in the same state. The class was so fun, I re-enrolled in it for the second semester, too. Paul was old-fashioned in some ways. He insisted the female students didn't work the heavy cameras we used at the floor level of games. To be fair, I couldn't do this either. But he was never a misogynist. In fact, I remember during an old football college football broadcast that he was using us using to teach us what a professional broadcast looks like he noted that some of the pe- one of the people involved in the broadcast was later fired for sexual harassment he stopped the broadcast to tell the women in the class to never accept any man treating them like that at work and he told the male students to never allow a man to act that way toward women without saying something i'd never heard a professor say anything like that to a class before my senior year coincided with the 2014-15 sabers tank season as a naive young man, I was excited about the team's future and potentially securing one of or McDavid in the upcoming draft. Paul, on the other hand, would have none of that. He was despondent about where the team had gone since the Pagulas had taken over. Of course, his pessimism turned out to be justified. About two years ago on the podcast, I read a half-serious, half-joking open letter Paul wrote suggesting that the county take over the team in exchange for the Pagulas getting fracking rights on county parkland. The letter was funny, sharp, cutting, well-written, used his uh, trademark clever humor to get a sincere, educated point across. The letter could not have been any more Paul. The last time I saw Paul was in early 2020, just before COVID took hold in the U.S. He was doing a speaking engagement in his native West Seneca to promote his new book, *Taro Lives, Confessions of a Saber's Hoaxer. He'd actually also written the very popular then Perosa de Rico, as many Saber's fans may have read before, as well as The Father, the Son, and the Sweet 16 about Bonaventure's Basketball Scandal from 2003, which, as he often pointed out, was not sold in the bookstore due to its subject matter. Anyway, back to his newer book. As the editor of the West Seneca Bee, I volunteered to cover it. And when I went to the event, he was just as sharp, engaging, and charming as usual. He told countless incredible stories about his life, his youth, working with John DeLorean, and especially the Sabres. I wrote an article about it and tagged him in the link on Facebook. He commented saying, I never knew how charming I could be. I guess I still don't know and then he told me he gave me an emer- emeritus A+. It meant a lot. What stood out to me the most that night was how happy he was to retell stories from the 70s and 80s and how proud he was of those times. Unfortunately, Paul didn't live long enough to see the Sabres turn it around, much less win a championship. Although he did see his boyhood favorite Montreal win the cup more than a dozen times in his life. The Sabres have now played as many seasons without Paul at the helm as they did with him. Eventually, that ratio will shift to the point that Paul's tenure is just a small sliver of time in what will hopefully be a long, successful history in Buffalo for the franchise. But whatever success the franchise and hockey in Western New York have had or will have in the future will be at at least partially because of Paul's work. Without Paul's influence, we might not have the Sabres. We also might not have the careers of Pat Kane, Alex Ayafalo, Kevin Adams, Todd Marchant, Emily Falzer, Tim Kennedy, Dennis Gilbert Jr., Lee Stepniak, and countless others. The march of time is even more unrelenting in sports than it is in life. Our favorite players retire, some of them become coaches, some broadcasters, and then they retire from that too. Maybe they make the odd appearance for special occasions, and then eventually they die. Sometime after that, they're usually forgotten. All that is a non-negotiable part of human existence, except for the last bit. We don't have to forget Paul, just like we don't have to forget the other late members of the group that made hockey what it is in Buffalo. The Knox brothers, Punch Black, Roger Crozier, Rick Martin, Rennie Robert, Joe Crozier, Ted Darling, or even the ones that are still with us, like Joe Bear Perot, Rick Generette, Floyd Smith, and Rip Simonic. It's important to keep these memories alive to remember that how and why we're able to enjoy the Sabres in the first place. I'll finish by echoing what thousands of Bonnies, former Sabres employees, and others have said this week. It was a genuine pleasure knowing Paul, and the world is poorer without him.
0: Beautifully said, my friend. Thank you. Beautifully, beautifully said. Yeah, it's the impact that he's had on Buffalo sports, like Buffalo hockey scene here, that can't be overstated and well said. And obviously, it's really great, too, that you got to have that personal relationship with him, too, through Bonaventure. So I also am sorry for your loss with that as well. Oh,
1: thank you. Yeah, great guy. Of
0: all right, should we switch gears here and talk about uh, how the boys are back? They are, yeah. The boys That's are back. About it. Well, they did what they needed to do, folks. After a disappointing start to their West Coast road trip, in which they lost to Los Angeles Kings, the Sabres ended up bouncing back with wins on Wednesday against Anaheim, which we talked about in our Thursday episode. And most recently, on Saturday night, they defeated the San Jose Sharks 4-2 to in San Jose. Taylor, your thoughts on the game.
1: Well, the first period was uh, anything but ideal, I would say. They were getting kind of pounded. I I don't remember if the shots were 14 to 5 over the last, like, 12 minutes of the period or something like that. But the Sabres, uh, for a while, for basically – you know, I should say – I should start with this. The first three minutes were actually really good, and they got a a pretty early goal, which is nice. Uh, But, like, from the 15-minute mark of the first period to, like, halfway through the second period – they basically got nothing going on offense. They barely had any shots. I think at one point, Lance Lasowski from the Buffalo News pointed out they had like one shot in like 18 minutes. Um, however, they really turned it around in the third period. And I think you have to give credit to a few people, uh, not the least of which is UPL, who really held on when he was taking on a barrage of shots in and- and they were getting pinned down on their own zone and not really creating any chances for themselves. UPL kept them right in the game and, and made sure that the Sharks never, like, took over or did what the Kings did on, on Monday or, frankly, what Calgary did uh, last Saturday. So it was a really nice performance from him. And then you saw some, I don't know, some some pretty cool goals. I think what I really liked is the the symbolism of the, the empty net goal for Tuck, how that was just, like... It's not just, like, Tuck is the guy you have out there. It just he's a kind of guy you can have out there at six on five, the end of the game, close out the game. He's a kind of responsible forward, but he's also the guy that can accelerate to the point where you're like, Oh, that puck is right there for me to, to take and put the game away. Well, no one's catching me. Right. So I, th- that I thought that was a cool, symbolical, but in, in general, like you had a great, you know, I mean, on, on a goal that didn't happen, incredible pass from Darlene to Jost. Oh my God. Golden go in. Unfortunately, Jost couldn't put it away, but that was great. Um, and then you see, like, I mean, Delaney in general was really good. Skinner, really good assist, and then a cool goal. Uh, and then, obviously, you had the uh, the Owen Power goal, which was <laughs> something to behold.
0: Our favorite little De-candling insurrectionist like is freedom fighter.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, a couple, of, a, couple
0: of, a couple of highlights from the game. Uh, Dylan Cousins reached the 20-goal mark for the first time in his career, which was very, very exciting, continuing his really, really strong season this year. Skinner and Tuck each had a goal and an assist apiece. Darlene ended up reaching his 45th assist in this game as well. Tate Thompson got up to 35 for assists this year. And yeah, they held it down. They played a really, really solid third period, held it together there. And Skinner, of course, scoring that go-ahead goal. I mean, it it was a good win. San Jose is a bad team. We know that, but they have some talent over there. And it was just a good win. It's good to see it's a game that they needed to win. And to segue... It is a very important positive momentum swing heading into a massive game. Massive, massive, massive game against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Tuesday night in Buffalo. The Maple Leafs 34-14-8 and going up against the Sabres for their first matchup of this year. Fresh off of picking up Ryan O'Reilly in a trade that could be best described as woof. For the Maple Leafs, no disrespect to ROR or uh, Nolan, or yeah, Nolakari, but uh, that was a lot that they gave up for a guy that they're probably not going to be able to sign back at the end of the year.
1: Yes, well folks, I'm going to give my full thoughts on the ROR trade, which I swear is more than just laughing, but first, (laughs) let's hear from our sponsors, DraftKings. Hoops fans, it's time to bring the NBA action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. So, uh, one bet I would be interested in in the NBA Maybe uh, an early bet on the finals. Folks, the Nuggets probably have better odds than they did before the KD trade. And hey, could this be the year they make the finals? They finally break through?
0: You think Jokic, so?
1: Potentially his third MVP? I'm just saying. The Suns the Suns probably odds swung really, really like into an unfavorable way for the better when the KD trade happened. Just because people assumed, oh, KD, Booker, and Chris Paul playing together. Folks, I would not assume that. Katie and Chris Paul are not young men, Mm -mm. and they traded basically all their depth to make that trade happen. So if one of those three guys isn't playing, I don't know. Maybe it's Nuggets time. Maybe it's Jokic time. Folks, we'll see.
0: Is it Jokic time? Who are they going to play against?
1: Uh, The Celtics or Bucks, probably.
0: Hey. I I just wanted to hear you say it.
1: Or hey, maybe Cam Thomas leads the Nets there.
0: What about the Russell Westbrook-led Chicago
1: Bulls? I don't know who that is. (laughs) The Nets have some some major Ewing Ewing theory vibes. What do you think, Cousin Brandon? (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, download the app now and sign in with code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Maximum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Sorry, minimum age (laughs) and eligibility restrictions apply. Uh, There's no maximum age. Void in Ohio, go blue. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. Okay, so i got to switch over. Do we
0: know where Russ is going yet, by the way? Has this been decided? I know that there was a mutual interest with the Bulls, but I don't know if he. Uh,
1: I, don't I don't think it's been decided yet. No.
0: Interesting. Well, Kevin Love is signing know. with the Heat, I saw.
1: Yeah, good for him. Mm-hmm. I saw as part of the buyout agreement, they're uh, going to retire his number. Which is Just shut up. Yeah. The, the, the Cavs, that is. No, I know.
0: Are you serious?
1: Yeah. I was kind of surprised. I was like, I mean, he was there for their only championship. So I get. Didn't they retire like Xandras Augustus' number? Nah, uh I Odaskus? think
0: so. No way, did they? All right, read the next one and I'm going to look this up.
1: First I okay. got to figure out how
0: to spell Zadrinus.
1: Yeah. Folks, everyone's always talking about making big changes. There's all well and good, but most of the time it's pretty unrealistic. But I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchased. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change, but something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. You can use your Raycons like I do when I'm doing the dishes, going on a walk, going to the gym, cleaning up the apartment, things like that. You know, It's, it's getting nice out. It's almost walk season again. So whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that'll last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon starts at half the price of other premium audio brands, so you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each, a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. So you get one, keep that with you at all times. Get another one, keep it in the drawer in case you lose the first one. You're still spending less money than you would with redacted... Audio brands. Even if you know you love Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. But you won't even want to return them because they have such tremendous features as three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips with the perfect most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear call quality, they're water and sweat resistant. And the everyday earbuds get 8 hours of play, while the everyday speaker gets 11 hours of playtime. Wow. So, you ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. And that brings us to our third sponsor, Thin Man Brewery. Two locations on Elmwood and Chandler Street, but as we said multiple times now, the Elmwood one is actually under construction. It's being renovated for about two weeks, so I think less than two weeks left in the process, I'd say, Brendan. And they're mm-hmm. sharing updates on their Instagram stories every day, so you go in there, you can see the kind of work that's being done. It's kind of astounding to me how, in basically less than a week, they've done so much work already. Roughly a week. It's been it's awesome to pretty see. Pretty wild.
0: Yeah, it's going to look pretty drastically different in there. It is. This is not just like it's getting a little facelift or they're getting new tables or something like everything is getting redone. And it's going to be yeah. really, really cool. Really, yeah, really excited for that.
1: It's awesome. Um. So, yeah, in the meantime, though, for all your beer needs, like we mentioned on Friday, they dropped the practice cactus double IPA. Are uh, you looking for beer like that? Or are you looking somewhere to hang out? The Chandler Street location still has you, and of course, you can find Thin Man in most of your local grocery stores if you're looking. Uh, and one other thing I wanted to mention is they announced on Friday that their merch store is now live. Let's go. So, looking at the pictures they sent, you know they have long sleeve shirts, hoodies, hats, different stuff available. It looks pretty sharp. Come got got on, hook us on up it.
0: with some free gear, man. I'll wear it during the show on the third.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Mm. (laughs) We probably would wear that to Trivia Night. Yeah, (laughs) which again,
0: we're going to have the flyer soon. March 22nd, everybody. Mark those calendars. Also, while we are on the topic of Thin Man 2, we can add this in. We don't have a date set for it yet, but we have a very, very cool – charitable event that we are going to be putting on in April with Thin Man at Thin Man, along with some of our pals from the Buffalo sports media scene. So keep an eye out for that. It is going to be awesome.
1: For sure. Uh, so the last thing on that merch, uh, it's now shipping nationwide. So if you don't live in Buffalo, if you're an expat, feel free to order it online. You can find it at their website. That's the only place it's available. So go to Thin Man's website, See if you like any other stuff. And uh yeah, that's it. Drink beer. That's what I always say. That's but let's,
0: Sage advice, Taylor.
1: Yeah, now that we have all the ads done, let me tell you what I think about the O'Reilly trade. I think I feel like I'm going crazy on Twitter. <laughs> oh my God. Very normal, like well adjusted sports people who I trust are like, well, you know, O'Reilly is better than his point production actually this year. He's been a little unlucky with the point production. Now he's healthy. He's good. Defenseman is it's, it's the ideal the guy that has your third line center. And it's like, folks, no doubt. Uh d- did uh you miss the part where they don't have any picks ever again? <laughs> so they could get a third line center, and then Akari's probably gonna be their fourth line center, I'm guessing. Is was why they did this deal. So I uh, I don't I'm not familiar with the two prospects that got traded.
0: In the they game. also said though that there's a chance they may play ROR on the wing on like the second line or something, which again I don't think makes a ton of sense.
1: But yeah, that almost feels dumber. Yeah, I get if they were like we're going to be dominant down the middle. All right, so people might balk at first that O'Reilly is still good because he has 19 points this year, and yeah, he was hurt, but he's still averaging under half a point a game. But, yeah, everything seems to indicate he's getting a little unlucky with his line mates finishing passes. You know, he would have more assists if his linemates could score. Still, I mean, 12 goals in 40 games with how scoring's increased, that's – he's on pace for, like, a 24-goal season. That's not bad. It's not great for him. It's – I don't
0: but know. But, again, with him, it's like, like – a-
1: Is he, like, top 100 in the league doing that? No. And and the thing that I think also, too,
0: I mean, they – there's a lot of assets that they gave up there. You gave up a – what was it? A first, second, and a third, right?
1: Wasn't it the fourth? Did they give up the fourth that facilitated the money with Minnesota?
0: Uh, uh maybe it might have been. I don't know. That's uh, either way. I guess my point of what I'm getting at is, is as we had said before, ROR probably is going to end up being a rental. I know people have pointed out that considering he's from the area, there's going to be mutual interest and everything like that. But is that a contract that Toronto is going to want to give out for what he's going to command? I don't think so. And so, that said you're investing a lot of capital in going after somebody like O'Reilly when it maybe is better served elsewhere. That's not to say that he's not going to be good for them or have an impact for them or anything like that. But if you're willing to use that many assets on a deal, I don't know. I guess I just would have thought that you'd maybe want to try and take like a little bit of a bigger swing. If you're trying to like upgrade the forward group or a lot, of those resources to the back end and everything like that. It, it, it was a little bit surprising. Yeah. They, they gave up a lot for again, like obviously he's very good and he has great post experience. He's won a cup. We know his defensive prowess, but yeah, it's just, it, it was a very weird trade that I was pretty uh, surprised by on all fronts.
1: Yeah. So another thing uh, to, to mention is that that fourth round pick was from Toronto. And this is not the first time they have traded these uh, picks. They are—I don't—I'm looking for the exact number, but they have almost like no picks in the next few first rounds, first three rounds, I should say, yeah. the next few drafts. So that's yeah, they gave up a first, second, third, and fourth a player, and then were you familiar with that prospect at all that they gave up? No. Okay, so maybe that wasn't that big of a prospect. So yeah, that's that's a ton. And there's no other way for me to read this than that's a Dubas desperation move. If they lose in the first round this year, which they're slated to play Tampa again, which is always, I mean, Tampa hasn't lost an East playoff series since they lost to Columbus four years ago. Right. So it's a nightmare matchup. I get it. It's not fair. And if if they lose that matchup, Dubas is going to get fired in all likelihood. So he's like, whatever, I'm getting fired anyway. What do I care about the, the next few years, I guess? But I don't know, looking at it, like, Tavares is not going to be a top six guy forever. Nylander's under a good contract, but Marner and Matthews uh, make a lot of money, and Matthews is free agency. Clocks ticking. Yeah, I mean, and and, and they're going to have no way to support these guys with draft picks.
0: Right? No, absolutely. They they really don't. I do. I think that ROR can end up being a really good piece for them down the stretch, and the trade can end up maybe not looking horrible. Yes, but. Who knows? Maybe he'll help them lose in the second round this year. I don't know. I guess we'll have to just wait and see.
1: So, yeah, so I, I did find what their their picks are. That's a good point. I don't know. We'll see. It just I should also point out really, really good seasons from Boston and Carolina. They're doing that when they have to play Tampa. They theoretically have to beat Tampa, beat Boston, then beat Carolina. I don't know. I don't. And it's not like O'Reilly. I mean, maybe they sign O'Reilly, but I, I just, that's going to be tough financially, too. So but looking at their picks, they had this year, they have five and six. They have their fifth and sixth round picks. Mm-hmm. Next year, they have in twenty twenty four they have one, four, five, six, and two sevens, and then twenty twenty five they have all but their fourth. So that's not a lot of picks. So it's uh it's going to be very interesting. I don't. I honestly i I think that's a gigantic risk to take in a year like this. Of course, it's all about just getting hot at the right time. So maybe they do that. Maybe they do get hot at the right time. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's so either way, it's going to be an interesting game on Tuesday. Unfortunately, I'm sure there will be at least half Toronto fans in Buffalo. The way I want to go. Hmm. Maybe I kind of want to go. Well, it's going to be a lot of money, though. Those games That's are true. super expensive to go. We through. should look it up
0: and see how much they are, because I do kind of want to check it out if you'd be into it. But heading into this game, as I talked about, too, when it comes to momentum in the playoff race, the Sabres had a perfect day that's saturday. right perfect have, day we got to give an update on the wild card race you ready for this everybody i'm sure everyone has seen this or maybe you haven't i don't know on saturday florida the islanders pittsburgh washington and detroit all lost l's for everybody
1: everyone else to the Sabres tossing out l's to. they yeah, unbelievable day it was awesome I I honestly can't believe it. And man, Washington got their ass kicked in that outdoor game. Yep. Pretty wild. It was at one point, I think shots are 29-10. They're down 4-0. Brutal. Brutal. Uh, Yeah. And like a week ago or so, I was looking at Pittsburgh being like, oh, they're going to be really hard to catch. Mm -hmm. Maybe we got to just focus on the eight. Like the, the second wild card seed. Like not worry about Pittsburgh. And now they've lost a few. And it's like, are they good? I don't know. To mm-hmm. be concerning to them that Crosby, Milk and Latang are all fine and they they still kind of suck.
0: Their goaltending is just a mess, man. Jari being out and then DeSmith hasn't been really that great. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I think going into this game too against Toronto, one thing that I do want to say is that I don't want to say that it is a make or break game, but I think that this could be a pretty defining moment for this team. You know, it's your first matchup against Toronto. Obviously, we're going to see him again this season. But this is a big game. Like, you are going up against one of the league's best teams. They just made this huge move to bring in O'Reilly. And this is kind of like a big, I think, formative moment for this team where if they lose, yeah, it's not going to be the end of the world. And it doesn't mean that, like, the trains are going to come off the tracks. But if they win, what that could do for the team's psyche for, again, making them feel... I don't want to say like legitimized in the playoff race, but making them feel like, all right, we're doing this thing. Like we just beat one of the best teams in the league. They just made this huge move. Like, and we just took them down. I mean, that could be huge for the morale for this team moving forward. And I think it's just an opportunity to see in a really big spot in February going on March, if this team's able to rise to occasion and rise to the occasion. And I think if they're able to do that, how that can then positively affect the course for the rest of the season. Uh, you can't overstate like it's going to be huge for this team. If they're able to pull out a win, if they lose, obviously it's going to suck, whatever, but this is a, this could swing a lot of things I think for this team.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think an important thing to look at, if you're a fan that feels like, ah, oh, you know what? They, they were losing to the ducks in the second, they look terrible. Monday San Jose, they got outshot for a lot of a lot of the game. They don't look great. Well, Good news. No one in the wild cards in the East looks great. The East yeah. is basically six teams that are locked in to the top three in each division. And then the next six teams are just – it's the the Capitals who are – have at no point this year have really played all that well. The Penguins who have terrible depth and have goaltending issues. The Islanders who are the most average of average teams, even with Beau Horvat. The Sabres who we know their flaws. The Panthers who are coached by Paul Maurice – one of the, the biggest issues with anyone that ha- has had in Detroit, who just frankly hasn't had most of the things they thought they were going to have go well. Like they thought Sider might take a step. They thought their young guys might be better. They thought all these veterans they brought in, they thought Huso would be a starting goalie. And then they're just, they're also there.
0: Side note, if the Panthers don't make the playoffs, Paul Maurice gets fired 100%, right? He better. That would be insane if they keep him around. I mean, they should not be, as bad as they are. I know their goaltending has been a little bit dodgy at times. Spencer Knight was looking good for a little bit. Then he gets hurt, obviously, but was rough in the start of the year. Then he started to look a little bit better and has been a little bit up and down there. Knight has been good since he's come back. Obviously they've had their injuries on the blue line as well with Ekblad missing a good amount of time starting to use Sam Reinhardt at center though. I will say that much. So that'll be interesting to see how uh, much more they're going to do that down the stretch, which you would think they would do that more considering some of their losses that they've had, but yeah, I Florida man, that that is a really interesting case. Um
1: Yeah, I would say that I know the Sabres went from winning the Presidents Trophy to missing the playoffs, but we didn't have Matthew Kachuk join the team in between, so
0: Right. and yeah. still have Alexander Barkov too.
1: Exactly. That's like if Drury stayed and we replaced Briere with Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh anyway, anything else uh, you wanted to mention to the people before we uh head out for the the week
0: not really i don't think so i i'm just real jazzed up about this toronto game on tuesday we can just give also a quick little look ahead here so big week for the division actually we didn't even really get into this they have big divisional games coming up this week tuesday against the maple leafs thursday in tampa and then friday at florida yeah, I guess we'll get into that Wednesday or yep. Thursday. When and you- then they're back at home on Sunday afternoon against the Capitals for a huge wildcard showdown. I mean, the and when- Florida and, and Capitals games back to back are going to be really, really big for the playoff hunt. So with that being said, Taylor, have we since we started the podcast been this excited about games this late into February? No. This is really weird. I think that the yeah. rest of the season is going to get real weird for straight up Sabres. Cause I don't think we're going to know how to act if they're like in this playoff race come April.
1: I'm going to take my shirt off.
0: All once right. Or twice. I
1: Indeed. mean, people won't be able to see it cause it's an audio format. Oh, but...
0: I'm going to screenshot it and post it.
1: Oh, good. That's what I'm I'll saying. just
0: record the whole episode and we'll just do like a thing where it like starts off with you. And then it's just going to slowly zoom in on your nipples. It'll be great.
1: Great. <laughs> All three of them. So, uh, do <laughs> you have any recommendations for the people?
0: um yeah let me think of a song to do you know what i will do let me just make sure i haven't actually recommended it i uh there's a really good instagram page i don't know if anybody is familiar with it who is listening now i'm sure there's got to be some it's pretty popular called sleeping on gems do you follow this page at all on instagram no really really cool music page where they'll do like live performances and music videos of artists but they'll do it like a series of like music videos uh directed by so-and-so artist or songs from the year you know whatever and it's like a, a lot of it is like r&b but they've been really starting to like intertwine a lot of like different genres um it's really really good page sleeping on gems it's called but they had posted one of my all-time favorite outcast songs actually uh yesterday and like the music video for it And it had me thinking about it and it's been in my head since the art of storytelling part one outcast incredible song some of In my opinion, it's a top five outcast song, like easily, just both in terms of like, I mean, for sure, lyrically, also just the beat is really good. They're, you know, Big Boy and Andre 3000's like flow on it. And like their rapping is maybe some of the best that they have of of any of their songs. Like I said, it's an easy top five outcast song for me. So I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with both the song and follow that Instagram page. It's really, really cool. Sleeping on Gems, it's called. What do you got?
1: Poker Face. On Peacock, Are Natasha Lyonne starring. No show, Brian Johnson show. <laughs> yeah. Um, not Natasha Lyonne. It's kind of it's a throwback because it's kind of a case of the week type show. Mm-hmm. Natasha Lyonne, not really detective, but she's a human lie detector basically, and a, a pretty cool lady. And so she places, she goes places, and then bad things happen, and then she has to kind of deduce uh, what happened, kind of like Columbo, but a lady in the twenty uh, first century. Yeah, man, I really want to so- watch that.
0: It looks like it's pretty good now that it has the the Taylor stamp of approval. Also, everybody, we did see Ant-Man and we'll talk about it on the next episode. I kind of want to try and see it again before making a, a fuller judgment on it because I was pretty surprised. I don't think I liked it as much as you have, as much as you did. And I think that's like surprising for Marvel. Not true. I mean. Not true. I did not what like it. What do you mean? It, when we said, left I the theater?
1: I said and it was normal, bad, not terrible. That's pretty good
0: for you, though. <laughs>
1: I mean, I guess. <laughs> it is.
0: As far as your review of Marvel movies as of late, that's pretty high up. Right? Oh, I didn't hate it, but it was pretty bad. Oh, there you go. That's fair. It was just normal bad. Okay. Okay. Good, good. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network in the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows across both platforms and follow them on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabers. And after you finish listening to this episode, make sure you go and give us a nice little rating or review on whatever streaming platform you're using. Make sure you're subscribed or following, to, following us as well. Last but not least, our sponsors. Got to give them some love again. We have, of course, DraftKings. Use that promo code THPN at checkout. Again, also, we have Raycon. Go to our show notes, and you can get more details on getting hooked up with great deals from Raycon. And last but not least, Thin Man Brewery. Make sure you're stopping out to the Chandler Street location and keep an eye out for that March 3rd reopening event. We'll be back with a brand-new episode on Thursday, everybody, detailing the game against Toronto. But in the meantime, have a great start to your week. This has been Straight Up savings.